Welcome to The Readerly Report, a podcast of Readerly Magazine. Your hosts are Gail Weisswasser and Nicole Bonilla. We hope you will enjoy our candid book conversations, recommendations, and observations on the reading life. Thanks so much for joining us. So welcome to another edition of The Readerly Report. Gail and I are going to be, we're actually announcing our classics project, some summer projects. I guess our first one. Yes, our first summer challenge. So what we've decided to do for our summer challenge is it's two parts, and we'll see if we make it to part two or even if we finish part one. Um, The first one is to read a classic book that we've never read, one that people talk about and that makes the best novels list. Actually, it doesn't have to be a novel. Best books of all time list, but that we've never read and that feels like a kind of a gap in our reading. So Nicole and I are each going to pick a book and we're going to read it this summer and we'll report back on a later show about um, what we thought of it and if it was worth reading. And then the second part of it, if we make it that far, is to revisit a classic book that we read either when we were young in school or maybe more recently, but to read it again and see what we think of it this time around. Ooh, I just thought of a good one. Yeah, I have like three or four on my list. I haven't narrowed it down yet. So I was hoping maybe we can each help each other narrow down if we've read the ones on the list. I'm just thinking, so I read Catcher in the Rye when I was in high school. And I really liked Holden. Like, I had a crush on Holden Caulfield. Um, Everyone hates him. And so, you know, I was a kid when I read that book. So I'm curious. I think I'm curious to see what I would think of him now. If I would just kind of think if he was a whiny, complaining wimp, as everyone else in the world does. Because my 16-year-old self still loves Holden. I think that's the whole purpose of this challenge, is to see if these things hold up. I also really hated Frankenstein. Yeah. So that's one of my other possibilities to see if if I warm if I've warmed to him a little. Hmm. Okay. All right, well let's start with the first one. So what what's your what are your candidates for the classic read that you're gonna try to tackle this summer? Hmm. Last summer it would have been really easy because it would have been Wuthering Heights. I feel like I just read Wuthering Heights and I read its companion novel, Nellie Dean. I'm thinking, I've never read The Picture of Dorian Gray. Okay. And I feel like I hear a lot about that, you know, because that is just the classic comparison in terms of, I, I don't know, the heart of evil, you know, this this portrait that never never ages while it's, or the portrait ages, but it's the youthful face of that portrait gets to run around and do all kinds of crazy things. I don't know. How much do you know about Dorian Gray? Not much. I never read it. Okay. So I don't know much about it at all. In fact, we're in the, we're in the dark. I wonder what the lessons of Dorian Gray are supposed to be. I'm just like doing a quick, a quick Google search. I feel like I hear so much about it and Oscar Wilde is so acclaimed for it. Mm hmm. A fashionable young man who sells his soul for eternal youth and beauty is the author's most popular work, Moral Disintegration, and it caused a scandal when it first appeared in 1890. 
So what is this the story about? It's there's a portrait that doesn't age, but he does or something. The portrait ages. He does not like. I think he has an older benefactor. I'm not sure how this portrait gets painted, but it's painted. And yeah, I don't know. This could be a good classic for us to investigate because we're kind of in the dark about it, which is funny. Mm-hmm. Being the book people that we are. Mm-hmm. Okay. Someone on Goodreads says, if no one wrote a novel after this one, it would be the greatest story ever told, and I would be okay with that. I don't, that's pretty, pretty high praise. Yeah. I wonder what came after that this reviewer is happy to see better than that. You know, like, just it's a funny review. Another one says, unput downable escapade about Dorian Gray, who's well known for his poise and alluring youth. Obsessed with his own charisma, Dorian Gray craves to become immortal. So, I don't know. So that's one of, that's one of my possibilities. What's one of yours? Um, well, my possibilities are, I never read A Tree Grows in Brooklyn, which wow. people always refer to. Have you read that? I did. Do you think that's worth it being my classic read? If you like a really quiet story. But it was one of those novels that even then I had heard so much about it. I feel like it's one of those novels that people read when when they are pretty young. I would say even, you know, tween range. Okay. Uh, I feel like you don't get too far without reading A Tree Goes in Brooklyn. So I feel like I was late in reading it. So I'm super late. Yeah, so you're really, really late, Gail. I am a late bloomer. Well, yeah. So but I think I, that's one that tends to stand up. I don't think that people, you know, it's not like Catcher in the Rye, where if you don't read it when you're 18, then you just hate it. <laughs> yeah. Have you read Jane Eyre? Uh, that's so funny you said that, because Jane Eyre is on my list for the second half, which is the book I've already to reread. read. Yeah, to reread. I mean, I read it must have been like, you know, eighth or ninth grade. 10th grade? I don't know. It was like a summer reading, I think, in high school. So it's been a long time. And um, I was reading about it again today and sort of reminding myself again of what it was about. And I thought I might want to reread that one. So that's on my list of for for the second challenge. How about you? Did you? You must have read Jane Eyre. No, I read Jane Eyre as an adult. I read it first probably four, maybe five years ago. I really loved it until I got to the last third, and then I just hated it. Okay. Because it just, it ran into all those coincidences. All right, well, I don't remember it well enough to to know. To weigh in? Okay, so I won't spoil you on that. Yeah. But a lot of our ideas for shows come up jointly, but this this was your idea. What prompted it? I don't know. I feel like I read so much contemporary fiction, and, you know, there's something to be said for the classics. I don't know. I just felt like it would be a good project and something very different from what I am doing right now, which is reading so much contemporary fiction. Um, for my the for the ones I've never read, I actually am kind of being drawn to these books that are about dystopia and the they're the books that people keep referring to when they talk about a current political climate. So one of them, for example, is 1984. I never read that. And I feel like, you know, you read about it now and people say, oh, there's all these shades of Big Brother now and, and this 
you know, sort of fantasy world that he came up with in, I think it was the 40s or something, is now not that far from reality. So that's the one I'm leaning towards the most reading is 1984. I also have The Jungle in there, which is that kind of cautionary tale about like urbanization and, and industrialization and this horrible working conditions. I never read that either. So I'm, I have A Tree Grows in Brooklyn, The Jungle, 1984, which are such different sides of the spectrum. I was going to say, those are such different books. Very different. I know. That's why I'm not, I'm not really sure where to go. And then the fourth one I was thinking of reading, which I also never read, which I've heard is amazing, is The House of Mirth, which is not even written by an American writer. That's, I, it wasn't it Edith Wharton and isn't, isn't she British? Actually, no, she's American living in England. She's American. And I know because you always hear in, well, I hear in English classes, you know, they will tell you that Edith Wharton's family was the family. I mean, they were so wealthy and they were so such trendsetters that they are the ones for whom the phrase keeping up with the Joneses was coined. Oh, that's funny. But I think she lived in England or something, didn't she? Wasn't she? I mean, I know she was American, but I don't know. So those I don't are know. She four. might have popped over there for a bit, but I feel like she was a big presence here. I feel like she she wrote from her bed. <laughs> what a nice life that is. Yeah. Um, she had a little writing desk, and I think she didn't really leave her. I don't know if she was she. I don't know if she was housebound, but. I know she did a lot of writing in bed for whatever reason. Well, anyway, those are my four. Um, and so it's probably going to be one of those four, and they're very, very different. So it may be that I just go and go to the library and pick them all up and take a look and see which one appeals the most. So you have Dorian Gray, and then what else do you have on your maybe-to-read list? Or are you pretty committed to Dorian Gray at this point? I... I don't know. I'm pretty committed to Dorian Gray. I might want to read something by George Sand, though. Because hmm. I didn't read a lot of her. And you also hear a lot about George Eliot, the Georges. Yep. George Eliot is a commitment, I feel like, just time-wise. Right. So it probably will not be her. <laughs> right. But they're good. Which ones have you read? God, Actually, um... I read Silas Marner. And I read Mill on the Floss. That's what I read, Mill on the Floss. Oh, my God. I hated Mill on the Floss. School. I didn't hate it. Actually, I thought it was pretty interesting, but it was so, you know, she was writing at a time when it was just so much about the landscape. So there would be just pages and pages about the grass and the trees. And it was just like, lady, I don't care. It's also just a terrible title. Mill on the Floss. Yeah. Um, I like Silas Marner a lot better. Well, so it sounds like you've you've done your George Eliot. Yeah, I, I think it's George Sand. Um, I have not read the one that's supposed to be life changing and and everything like that because who was the woman who wrote for the New Yorker and then she ended up writing this book on Middlemarch, which I think I bought hoping uh, that it would get me into Middlemarch, and then I never read it. Oh yeah, everybody talks about Middlemarch. Even March. though it's supposed to be very good. And then I knew some people who knew her. Her name is Rebecca something, I think. Yeah, everybody talks about Middlemarch, and I, don't, I never read it. It's like changing their life. Rebecca Mead wrote this book called My Life in Middlemarch. Mm-hmm. I remember reading about that. <laughs> but not reading it. <laughs> but not, well, story of most books in my life. <laughs> I gave him the eye. 
Right. <laughs> I definitely, um, I went so far as to go, she spoke at um, the Center for Fiction. And yes. I went and actually, this is how interested I was in thinking that I was going to read this book. Um, yeah, I wanted her to lead me into middle March. Hmm. Okay. All right. So it sounds like we have our marching orders. You're probably going to do Picture of Dorian Gray by Oscar Wilde. And I'm leaning towards one of four books. Um, but I'm kind of leaning most towards 1984. I think that you should read 1984. Not having read it before. I mean, because I can vaguely, re- I can sort of remember 1984. And I feel like there were other books similar to 1984, sort of like Brazil. Yeah. Which, was that just a movie? I feel like, I don't know. I feel, I saw the movie. I hated that movie. For like, it was an assignment for something. Oh. And they showed that movie with Jonathan Price, who I actually like. Oh my God. I just remember him sitting at a desk and the desk starts moving like into the wall. Like, like, like the desk goes through the wall and the person on the other side who has the other half of the desk starts pulling it for, like incrementally further. So he like, his desk keeps getting smaller. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not a big fan of, I forgot who the director is, the name of that director for Brazil. He does all mm-hmm. those like Baron Munchausen movies and like kind of surreal stuff. I hear you typing. Are you looking it up? Yes. Yeah. I'm just not a fan of those movies. So maybe I shouldn't read 1984, but I just feel like, I don't know. Oh, the other book that I was thinking Terry about. Terry Gilliam? Terry Gilliam. Yeah. Yeah. That's who it is. The other book that I was thinking about doing in my reread list. Well, okay. So on my reread list, I have three possible books. So one is Jane Eyre. And one is Lolita, which is my favorite book of all time. And maybe really? Yes. Yeah, so and maybe I'm just due for a reread, but I do feel like I know it pretty well. So if we're talking about kind of stretching our minds this summer, then that's probably a cheat because I, it's Lolita's been like my number one book for a really long time. That's interesting. I just read an article about Lolita and Lolita, and if I can find it, I will link to it in the show notes because it talks about the woman. I don't know. There was this little girl, and I guess she was lured away by this guy who pretended that he was an FBI agent, and he got her to leave her family. Like, she had to convince her family that she was staying with friends for the summer, and he had her for the summer, and I think he ended up having her for two years. And he based part of his story on that. It was really fascinating. I've never read Lolita, so... What about it is so appealing? I mean, what makes it such a good book? Oh, my God, the writing. To put me into the head of... The writing. Humbert Humbert. Yeah. I mean, he's like a despicable character. He's awful. And, but the writing is so good, and it's so funny and clever, even though it's so perverse. Hmm. Um, oh, it's so beautifully written. And he didn't even write it in his native language, because he was Russian, and he wrote it in English. Oh my God. I just, it's so funny. It's such a, it's just so like exquisitely written, but it's been like probably at least 15 years since I read it. So I was like, well, maybe this would be a good excuse, but so if I don't, well, that's read interesting it, because you read that, um, you hadn't had kids yet. Right. Didn't have girls yet. In fact, I'm not so sure I've read it since my kids were born. Yeah. So that could be very interesting to see yeah. if you still, right. If it's still, if I still find it so enthralling. I mean, I know it's perverse, but that's sort of the whole challenge of that book is that 
you know, how do you, how did he make this guy remotely sympathetic like, given right. what a disgusting pig he was? Um, all right. So it's either Lolita or it's Jane Eyre, or I was actually thinking of rereading the handmaid's tale because I read that a long time ago and now it is all hot again because of the H HBO Netflix, Netflix, I guess, miniseries. And I was thinking I could do that and then binge it. And it's also so relevant today. So I figured maybe if I did 1984 and the handmaid's tale, you know, it you would be... really just want to throw yourself into the, <laughs> yeah, the horror into the fire. Yeah. Okay, so then I've got another link for you. I don't know. You may have gotten this. Um, Penguin Random House sent out uh, clips of their panels, and one of them is with the director of Handmaid's Tale, um, Margaret Atwood, and and Margaret Atwood. I do it, love Margaret Atwood. And uh, she's funny. Well, she's also just an amazing writer. Did you ever read Cat's Eye? Oh, it's so good. I feel like Cat's Eye was a book that I started and did not finish. Oh, no. I read Alias Grace. Oh, I think I read that one, too. And Robber Bride and... Yeah. I don't like it. I haven't liked her recent... Well, I can't say I haven't liked her recent ones because I haven't really read it. Many, but I did read... um, What was it? The Heart. Something about The Heart. Is her late is one of her later ones, okay. and I and I feel like she just she had a lot of fun with that book. I don't think she was paying any attention to anything anyone might have told her about it. It was very weird. The heart, Margaret Atwood. I read it for my book club. Hmm. The heart goes last. I've never heard of that. It was really out there. It got really campy. <laughs> okay. It's like people having sex with stuffed animals. Oh, boy. <laughs> okay. I was like, Margaret, you've, yeah, huh. you've obviously covered everything. Um, if, all right, so what is your read-again book, if not Frankenstein? I, You know, so Frankenstein I read... I also did, I did not read as a teenager or anything like that. I first read Frankenstein as an adult and I don't know, I just found it wildly implausible, his character and, and how smart he was. It's like spouting soliloquies on the mountain um, when he was running from people. So I don't know. And I've talked with lots of people at, at the time I had this podcast that was all about classics and we had an author on who was kind of explaining some of the context and the history of Frankenstein and what a breakthrough it was for Mary Shelley and, and you know, science versus nature. But it's just like, but it's just so poorly written. <laughs> mm, okay. So, but I'm, I am kind of curious to see now that I have a little bit of context whether I would have more appreciation for it. I really loved, which shocked me, I really loved Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Hmm. I mean, could not say, could not say enough good things about that story. Wow. But I did read it, 
you know, probably within a few months of Frankenstein. So I kind of wonder if it was just I hated Frankenstein so much that I just saw something that made sense to me and that I could relate to that I just went to the other end of the spectrum. Right. So I think either one of those would be a good a good test for me. Okay. All right. Well, we're going to take a month or two to commit to a book and then read it. And then later this summer, we'll record an episode where we report back on at least one or both. And But we should commit. We should commit within the next few podcasts. To a date, you mean? Or to a book? Or both? To a book. Yeah. To, okay. To a that's book. fine. All right. I think I'm, I'm like 90% sure I'm going to do 1984. 1984 in The Handmaid's Tale? Mm, 1984 and maybe Jane Eyre. It'll be Jane Eyre or The Handmaid's Tale, one of those two. Okay. And, and you are Dorian Gray and Dr. Jekyll? Probably. Okay. Probably. All right. Well, if anyone's listening and has thoughts on these books and feels like we're, you know, overlooking something we should be thinking of or has a strong opinion about the ones we picked, let us know. I almost put it on Facebook today just to crowdsource it a little bit, but I didn't. I think you should. You should do it tonight. All right. Maybe I'll do that. And, uh, yeah, and if you want to join in, definitely join in with your picks and let us know. Um you can do it on the Facebook page, or if you're feeling a little shy about uh, your choices or anything like that, drop us a line. Or read these with us. That would be what really fun. Read them with us. Read these two, right. these books with us. Yeah, that would be great. Right. Okay. So we have to commit. Let's commit okay. in a week. Okay. Committing in a week. Okay. So now that we've got that business under control why don't you gail is there anything that you've been reading yes or do you have any updates for us or yes i just um finished a book and i just started okay so the one i finished is the one we've talked about which is Anne hood's um the book that matters most and it was it was in retrospect now that i'm done with it it was really very disappointing okay yeah, too much going on. I just wrote kind of a scathing blog post about it. I just, <laughs> it was way too much going on, way too many subplots. I said that her editor should have told her to pick two out of the five and just focus on those. Um, lots of, like, coincidences that were completely implausible, um, unresolved relationships. Um, ugh, it was just, it was really, it was really pretty bad. So I'm glad I'm done. And then it's funny. I went to go see what I've read by her. And I think this is my third Anne Hood book. And Really? Yeah. It's my third. I read The Obituary well, Writer. Was, oh, yeah. That was a really popular one. Yes. And then I, I read. I feel like everyone read. I think everyone did read it. And then I read The, the Red Thread. And um, of those three, The Obituary Writer, I think, is the best. And then The Red Thread. And then The Book That Matters Most. And I mean, I love that she sets her books in Providence because I went to college in Providence and I feel very nostalgic about it. But, um, oh, she's, there's just a lot of things going on in these books that make no sense. So I think I'm maybe done with Anne Hood. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, and now I'm not going to even get started with her because after you told me what you told me. Yeah. We had spoken briefly about it and I think I put her in the to-go pile. So maybe I'll do, maybe I'll do a giveaway for this book. 
Because, I don't know, you might love her. Yeah, I mean, there may be people who love her, uh, or this book. And, you can I mean, test you know, there's, there's plenty of really good reviews of it on, mm-hmm. on Goodreads and Amazon, but it was not for me. Um, and then I just started a book called Startup by Dory Shafrir. And it is about, it's sort of like lampooning or at least like parodying or poking fun at the New York technology scene. And I love every page of it. It's been, I'm just like, it's one of those books that I keep putting in my briefcase when I go to work because I just don't want to be separated from it. Even though I know I can't read it at work, I just want it nearby. Gail is funny about her books. (laughs) (laughs) She keeps them to visit with them. And, you know, I guess you have attachment issues. Yeah, I want to be able to see it and know where it is. So it's what um, page are you on? How oh, like I'm on page. I'm gonna say I'm on like page fifty or something. Okay, still yeah. plenty of time for things to take take a turn, diabolical turn. But hopefully that won't happen. Such a pessimist you are. I'm just. I've been burned before. I know. You like the Anne Hood. I did. In the first like fifty the, pages, I did, I did like the Anne Hood. Yeah, this book could take a terrible turn, but so far I'm I'm really enjoying it. Um, she's, how about she's you? giving it the eye across her office. Yes. How about you? What do you have for us? Okay. I am reading Danzy Senna's new book. Um, it's called New People. It's kind of, I don't it's really dark humor, like dark humor about identity and ethnicity. Um, it's about this, she calls herself at one point in the book, a quadroon. Um, and her marriage to um, her fiance is mixed race, and it's all about their lives and how they were raised. You know, she was adopted and raised by a black mother, and he was in a family that she would have just termed very white, even though you know it was a mixed race family. But in terms of how he identified and the friends that he had, and you know, she talks about his awakening in college when he became black. So it's all these kind of interesting racial politics about what makes you who you are. And and it's interesting because I feel like everyone knows that person in college or, you know, they were really different in high school. And then in college, they took on some kind of, of new identity. So it's it's a darkly humorous exploration of, of race and, and what it means to be what it means to be anything. Hmm. Um, okay. So that's really interesting, and it's funny. It's funny in a, in a dark, this shouldn't be funny kind of way. Okay. Sometimes that's um, the best kind. And sometimes that's the best kind. Yeah. I've been reading a lot of stories about marriage. Um, I just finished Joe Piazza's How to Be Married, What I Learned from Real Women on Five Continents about surviving the first, and she puts in parens, really hard year of marriage. And that was really interesting because just how different cultures um, approach things that I feel like we, we view within a very American lens, I'll say. Mm-hmm. So it's just if she goes to, she goes to Scandinavia, she goes to some African countries, she goes to India, and she, you know, she just asks everyone, like, what's your best piece of advice for me about marriage and you know for some people it is um 
always communicate and you know some people will give just the opposite advice that sometimes you need time for yourself and it talks about a bunch of different activities that she tries in order to take on different aspects from cultures and kind of find what helps her in her marriage so they do this wife carrying concert they try to climb a mountain together there's a helicopter or something going by (laughs) Um, so yeah, so it's about the different activities that they take on. You know, they go to Mexico, they try to, um, this isn't in Mexico. I think it's somewhere in South America where they try to learn this dance that is supposed to be very sensual and romantic. It's, it's just, it's really interesting. And I think, you know, of course, Marriage can sort of, marriage is just one of the very close relationships that we have. So anything that's telling you how to relate and find yourself is going to be relevant to any other close relationships that you have. Yeah. You know what I read too? Hmm. Into the Water. What is that? Paula Hawkins. Oh, yes. I really liked it. I really liked it. So this is one of these books that I feel she is branching out from Girl on the Train, which you didn't like it so much. I did. I did. You did? Yeah. Okay. But I think, so this is less of a psychological suspense like that. And it seems like she's taking the turn and going to more exploration and sort of like literary. And it's just, it's about this community Um, in which many women over the course of the years have died in the river. They end up in the river. So into the water. So yes, so it's just a very, just more intricate story about what's going on with these women and, you know, what's going on with women and how they interact with their community and with men. And um, the woman who has died in the beginning of the book, as it turns out, she was working on a piece that was exploring what had happened to these women when they went into the river, like the stories behind it. So we have a feeling that because she was doing this research and it was linked back to some women centuries before or generations before who had maybe been involved in witchcraft and just what's going on with the modern world. So, you know, it's not your regular page-turning psychological suspense, but it was just a really satisfying read for me. That does seem like she's going in a different direction from Girl on the Train. Yes. So, and and I really... So, yeah. So, to have her come out and her first novel was such a blockbuster and there was just all this fanfare and there was a successful, you know, blockbuster-type movie made out of it with big star power... For her to go to something that is so different that you've got to know that people who are looking for the same thing might not be as satisfied is just, you know, good for her. Yeah, I agree. All right. Well, um, this is June. We commit to this to this classics challenge and we will report back in a week with our picks. And we will keep reading and digging into our BEA boxes, which we all we are have both been reunited with our books, so that's exciting. And um, 
unless you have anything else, I think we'll sign off till next time. Yeah, let's save something. So, okay. <laughs> Happy reading. Happy reading. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Readerly Podcast. You can find issues of Readerly at readerlymag.com, and you can find me, Gail, blogging at Every Day I Write the Book, which is at everydayiwritethebookblog.com, and Nicole at Linus's Blanket, which is linusesblanket.com. Please subscribe to the Readerly Podcast at iTunes or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Until next time, keep reading.